Y. Everybody's name ends with Y. Wow. We're so special, you guys. <laughs> this is the best group we have. <laughs> Good job. Welcome to My Roommate, Your Roommate, and Us, an advice show for the modern era. I'm Amy Justin <laughs> McElroy, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm your middleest roommate, Kelly, and my <laughs> pronouns are also she, her. Yeah, but there's two more of us, which is the babyest one. Speak in unison. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I guess, does, do, can I be... Can I be a 30 under 30 media luminary, Abby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my pronouns are she, her. Uh, does that mean I'm your babyest brother? I don't listen to this podcast, you're, guys. You're the babyest I, roommate. And that's Clint. And, that's our dad. Oh, God. And Clint Shelby McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> and my pronouns are she, her. <laughs> Anyway, this is Tordal Recall, and we are on our Alana wrap-up episode, and this is the show where we take your questions and turn them alchemy-like into questions about <laughs> Tordal that we answer. That actually worked better than I thought it was going to. Um, everything that I make works perfectly. Thank but you, you very much. you stealing the bits of other podcasts, like in the previous episode we did on Jew Watch for Al- Wishlist. Alternatively, just every podcast is a different podcast. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. It's a great way to build our brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, anyway, this is Tordal Recall. You might not have known that because there are two new voices that you haven't heard since the introduction episode. We have Kelly here. We have Shelby here. Those are my and Abby's roommates, respectively. But backwards, I think? No, so not (laughs) respectively. (laughs) You're just making this harder. This is my first time hosting. I don't know if you can tell. So I think that a great way to start would just be to catch up with both of you since episode zero. Kelly, I've heard that you just got back from the cat circus. Yeah, so remember how in episode zero I had to leave because I was going to a cat circus? Well, I've actually not been on any of the Alana episodes because I spent the last several months touring with the cat circus after I ran away with them. So I just got back. Wow. Wait, so did you perform with the cats or were you more of like a rigor position? I, I was definitely, I was like a cat trainer, you know, and like cat supporter. Uh. I was really like a cat groupie, like on the road, the cat groupie, wow. <laughs> cheering them on, giving them like back massages between shows. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that that gave you enough money to continue paying rent. Yeah, it did somehow. So that was really great. Yeah. Um, in, the in dog you can hear in the background is Shelby's. Uh, he's here in the room with us and he's feeling left out. He does not like podcasts because they are an activity that does not provide him with a comfortable lap. Mm. In fact, he's coming over here to see if he can find oh. one. Aw, sweet boy. <laughs> sweet, sweet child. Well, Kelly... I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really glad that you were back. Yeah, with we're us. so happy to have you back. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to be back too. You know, it's it's a hard life on the road. So, mm. yeah, we really <laughs> missed you. Anyway, and Shelby. So since episode zero, I found out that you are a terrible liar who tells lies to everyone. Please yes. expand a little. 
on that. So I may have said one thing on this podcast, but it was wrong. Uh, it, so I said on the first episode that my uh, origin with the Tortal books is that my mother got them from a lovely bookseller. That was a lie. It was in fact my elementary school librarian, and my mother corrected me on this fact when I told her about this podcast. So, Mrs. Townsaker, my apologies. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution to like my personal character. It's very helpful. Yeah, that's so important. Really, sh- I mean, it shaped you as a person. So, like, there you go. It's all down to that teacher, and you failed to credit her. I did. You know, I'm just glad that you were able to come back from it and apologize and make amends for what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I'm trying to grow. Yeah. All right, so we're caught up with that. I think that one, the first thing that we should do is we did get an email from a listener asking for introductions from each of the cast members. We're going to have three bonus episodes and a different combination of people on each bonus episodes. So I think that it's going to be a couple of people an episode answer those questions. Today it's going to be me and Shelby. So these questions are from Susie M, who writes... I'm actually curious to learn a bit more about each of you, if you're willing to share. I just think it would be interesting to hear more about how your experiences intertwine with the series, kind of what makes you read the books in a certain way, and how the books influence you in your daily lives. Maybe how old you are? Also, most importantly, what are your favorite animals? Shelby, do you have thoughts on this? Uh, well, my favorite animal is definitely this dog that's on my lap, but also dogs in general. The um, dog is actually between us and the microphone right now, so that's what's going on. There are weird sniffing sounds. That's Casper just wanting to be a part of my life. It's okay. Um, but growing up, and this will be definitely be relevant very soon, my favorite animal was always wolves. So, you know, keep that in mind. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, what makes me read the books the way I do? Um, so she mentioned, I think, linguistics, because <laughs> we are a group of rabid linguistics majors. That's a thing. Um, I mean, no, what? Fi- okay, five out of seven? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Abby. That's a lot. Um, That's more linguistics majors than most people usually meet but in their only lives. two on this episode. No, you're a linguistics major. Yeah, Sorry. So three. three on this episode. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason that Abby seemed to be pointing at me was because she knew that the other thing I was going to say is that in addition to being a linguistics major, I am also a bio major, uh, which will also be fun in the next series. So keep an eye out for that good, good animal communications theory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think another thing that impacts me and the books is just I grew up in a big reading family. My mother didn't at the time but now does own a bookstore um so a lot i i continue to think a lot about young adult literature um i do most of the selection for her young adult section um and that definitely uh influences how i think about this and how it relates to the rest of the genre um and to the rest of middle grade fantasy do you want to shout out what her bookstore is yeah so my mother's bookstore is fair isle books if you're ever wandering around Door County, Wisconsin, go check it out. They sure (laughs) Right, so, and I guess the other thing that we should say, just generally, is that every host of this podcast is in our early 20s-ish, and Shelby and I are both from the Midwest and live currently in D.C. Yep, and all right, so for me personally, my name is Amy, so (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, my 
background that makes me read the series is I never read them before, but I, uh, I am a person who writes things periodically, so I do come at it from that angle, which is why I end up sort of analyzing motivations for writing a specific thing rather than writing the, rather than analyzing the text itself pretty often. Um, so sorry for that. And a lot of my study of linguistics did end up involving in one way or another the way that language and storytelling interact. Um, so I did a lot of depth studies and that, uh, but in, within that I looked at the way that like people learn metaphorical devices in signing um, and in like endangered languages I looked a lot of the ways that language is preserved by a rich storytelling tradition um, so I'll, I just care a lot about the ways that people tell stories and the way that language interacts with that and that's where I'm coming from here and I've also read a lot of books about women with swords so <laughs> <laughs> the best genre yeah the only good genre really yeah Hey, sometimes women with bows also cool. Oh, you're right. How could I forget? Not all of the women with bows also have swords. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would also accept women with like laser pistols personally, but you know, it's, I know it's women borderline. with fists. Women mm -hmm. who just punch. Maybe some women with fists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And anyway, for favorite animals. It's gonna be hard um so i'm pretty partial to birds of all kinds i really like a tree swallow um mm -hmm. cats and dogs both great i love them they're the friends you can have in your house that don't talk to you and are very soft um <laughs> <laughs> and i mean so my brand is kind of sheep and interesting it's true. it is yeah did i not did you not know about my sheep brand i don't you think I, me. I, I honestly i don't think i did <laughs> have you ever seen my I christmas tree no. It's 100% sheep. How? Amy, there's a sheep right there. How did you not? Okay, how did later, this, later. Oh, we've lived together for so many months. Anyway, so my brand is sheep, and I do love them. Uh, so I think that's where I'm at. That's my my introduction for this. Uh, I think that... Nice. And so the um, Kelly and I will do them on later episodes that we're on. Yes. And there are two more of these coming out this month, so be excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, we're taking a break by doing extra episodes, like <laughs> one more than we would normally do. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We know how to pace ourselves. <laughs> uh, we know how to relax. But <laughs> Oh, I forgot to... I forgot to give my other very important background, which is not my background as a person, but my background for this podcast today right here, which is that I have spent the last seven hours, six hours, a long time reading my malaria, doing malaria, nope, can't say anything today. I was doing malaria microscopy, which anyone who has done it knows melts your brain, um, but, so, like, imagine reading through slide after slide of the most busy wallpaper pattern you can imagine, <laughs> looking for a very specific flaw in the pattern, and then consider how much your eyes and your brain hate you. Anyway, if I can't process things, have pity. <laughs> there is no pity on Twiddle Recall. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that's kind of sad we're like friends friendship no pity only mutual respect <laughs> okay yeah did we also want to talk about the genesis of the podcast uh yes i think that would be a great idea um so 
So I can I can do the beginning part, which is that I have desperately for most of my life wanted a book club. Um, and I have succeeded in small spurts here and there to get my friends to discuss books with me. But when I graduated college, I thought this would be a good way to keep in touch with people. So I started, and also all of my friends could no longer tell me, Shelby, we're in college. We can't read books. <laughs> fun. Uh, and so I got a bunch of people to start a book club with me, which is one of the reasons why most of us went to college together. Um, but some of us did not and were mostly like, you know, added in fits and spurts because we like them. And that transitioned into another book club. Right, so regular book club birthed the more exciting, dynamic book club. <laughs> Dark book club, a.k.a. book club nights, a.k.a. book club two, the sequel to book club. Um, Shelby's in charge of the other one. I'm in charge of book club nights. But it's um, on, like, you know, off fortnights, I guess. You know, we read a book a month, and then also two weeks away from those meetings... We have other meetings where we don't read a book, but we do talk about a book. And uh, it's, so they're mostly books from our childhood, you know, books that most people have read. We've done, like, Percy Jackson, Twilight, Narnia, you know, a, a, like, a lot of things that various people have read. And actually, Kelly's first introduction to our book club was when we did Warrior Cats. <laughs> oh, God. It was a good night. <laughs> so... Yeah, our audience needs to know <laughs> Kelly's feelings about Warrior Cats. I love Warrior Cats so much. <laughs> we know, Kelly. We know. We know. Uh, but anyway, our uh, our book club did our book club nights, dark book club did um, Tortal one time, and we just got really excited about talking about it and didn't want to stop talking about it. So we figured out a way to just continue talking about it forever. I just want to... You guys both made this sort of your thing, and I want to make it mine real quick. I did send a text to our group chat that just said, a podcast called Tortal Recall that's about reading Tortal books, even though I don't know anything about Tamara Pierce. Yeah, I guess you, you can claim the conception of this idea, and certainly the name you are responsible for. I'm great at naming things, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you're here. It's your play <laughs> skills. <laughs> I've done anything. <laughs> and Kelly's also here. <laughs> here. Well, <laughs> Kelly's about to be here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, as I have heard, as your roommate through the grapevine, that you might enjoy Dayton. I, to some extent. I might enjoy those books to some extent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just maybe. All right. But maybe on, like, a, every time I mention these books, you do some light yelling level. <laughs> Who told you that? Yeah, that's, there, there was a lot of yelling at the original book club, and in fact, every podcast recording since then. Yeah, it's our we're brand. We're just really enthusiastic about these books. Turtle Recall, subtitle, The Yell Zone. <laughs> yep. All right, well, I think that with that said, I so Kelly, Shelby, neither of you were around for our Lana wrap-up. So is there anything that you guys want to bring up? I know that you listened to the episodes um, and that you guys have a lot of feelings about these books. So if you want to bring anything up that you think we didn't talk about or just talk about something you really loved or an animal Kelly's friendship making moment, a face. please. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have I have rather a lot of thoughts, so I don't know. Maybe I'll share, like one or two of them, and then maybe, Shelby, you should share some, and then maybe I'll share some more. I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> that sounds like the way a conversation works. Perfect. Yeah. That good. <laughs> I guess one thing that I remembered, like when I was listening to you guys having recorded the podcast, was like exactly like how many things happened in the first book which i really appreciated you talking about because i was like wow i really can't remember what happened in the alana books and i was like wait that's because like literally everything happened in like every book so like, i, I wonder- definitely second this like i did not reread the books i just decided i i couldn't do it uh, and so listening to you guys talk about them as i was not rereading them i just kept being like Wait, what? Like, what? No, that too? Wait, again? Like... No, yeah, me too. Full disclosure, I also did not reread the book, so, like, exactly the same thing. Um, also, yeah, this also just, yeah, like... Sh- sorry, just want to say, Shelby, like, I apologize for being a huge bummer while we were, like, going through the reading the books and, like, remembering all of the, like, problematic stuff that happened, and then Shelby just kind of got, like, me complaining to her about, like, the sexual assault and stuff and not the fun parts. So. Yeah, so I did have to tell Abby, like, just... Just don't. I'll listen to you talk about it on the podcast, and then it'll like be sandwiched by happy like animal moments and friendship moments, and it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing with our roommate. Um, we have a third roommate, and every time that I am talking to this roommate, I'll just be or and I'm reading the book. I will just tell Olivia everything that I'm feeling at the time, which is usually what's up with Liam. Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, this, like, listening to you guys talk also, like, affirmed for me, like, my childhood feelings about, like, this book, which were that I hated, like, all, like, her, like, main love interest in it, so I, like, felt really, like, good about the fact that you guys, like, all gave me, like, concrete reasons to hate that (laughs) Honestly, as a kid, I was so much, like, you know, oh, I hate John, but that's kind of just, like, a personal thing. No, he's very hateable. (laughs) Yeah, yes. no, I was, on the other hand, I unlike Kelly, I was shocked when you guys actually revealed George's, like, age difference with Alana. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew he was older, but, and, like, looking back, the only thing I can guess is that, you know, as a kid, everyone above, like, as, as you know, a, whatever I was, like, ten-year-old reading these books everyone above the age of, like, 16 was old. And it did not, like, there was no difference between people above the age of 16. (laughs) And, like, to hear that, I, uh, 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 (laughs) I was displaced. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't read these before, but I know that in a lot of books that I've read and revisited as an adult, you find these, like, very strange, very, like, huge age differences in relationships that are that feature like usually a teen girl as the younger party and it is really like disquieting to look back and find that in so much of the media that you consumed growing up and that you remember thinking was normal yeah it is really i mean it does it just doesn't register so much when you're younger than a teen you know and all these people are older than you now we're adults and teens seem pretty young (laughs) i know yeah that's the thing for me is when i look back on this and i think like i don't know some of these age differences are just like late 20s to like teens and i think like i'm in my early 20s i can't imagine like dating a 15 year old like they're babies like what is happening here (laughs) yeah they're so small now the teens have gotten so small (laughs) (laughs) yeah so another another thing that i feel like 
I can't remember who said it. I think, Abby, it was either you or maybe Grace, um, talked about was, like, sort of, like, connecting or not connecting with Alana's own, like, personal character traits sort of in this book. Um, and her, like, being, like, I'm not like the other girls. Like, I like wielding a sword. And somebody oh, was yeah. like, oh, I'd rather just, like, embroider. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, I think that was mostly Grace, but I can also empathize. <laughs> and I think that's something I thought about when I was thinking back on, like, how I consumed the story when I was younger. And, like, I really, really liked it. Like, of, like, all the Turtle series, this was my second favorite after Animals, Animals, Animals. <laughs> but it was sort of my second favorite because it, like, sort of conforms to this, like, classic hero story, which is, like, you're the special, super special chosen one. You're going to defeat all your enemies and be the super best, which, like, I loved reading. But at the same time, like, reflecting back on it, I feel like I sort of, like, loved reading it because I was like socialized to love reading that kind of story so like on one hand it's like amazing we get this kind of representation where we're like a woman could fill that same role that's usually filled by like a male protagonist in this kind of story but on the other hand like I feel like we really don't see like a less traditional male-driven narrative where it's not about like really a single individual getting better and better and getting better at specifically like strength related tasks and like military related tasks and Mm -hmm. sort of like I'd be interested to see it, see like more sort of narratives that focus around like sort of different structures and like more community driven narratives. And I think certainly we get those a bit later in some of the other Tortle books where they aren't really focused so much on like a female fighter specifically. So that's something yeah, that no, I was I am, about. Right. This is a very classic, you know, so much a classic sort of hero's journey. The story of one chosen one becoming a knight. You know, the only twist being that she's a girl. Yeah. But, right, I'm excited to get to later uh, Tortal books. Also, Emelon. Emelon is exciting for this. Uh, where, yeah, it's a, sort of a less traditional narrative. Yeah. Um, Shelby, you look like you're saying something, or are you just oh, hugging I, I, the dog I real can. close? Uh, <laughs> yeah, go I, I, I was just mostly nodding very loud because, you know, that's a thing that you can do. And also... Uh, <laughs> Abby in hit the Emelon thing that I would have said. Um, yeah, Shelby nodded a lot when I said the Emelon thing, <laughs> for the record. Okay, yeah, um, we've got to get a lot better at talking about every gesture that we make. Right now, <laughs> I am leaning towards the microphone and raising my eyebrows slightly. Um, <laughs> you're actually not raising your eyebrows. Oh, maybe you were. I just didn't see it. Kelly, <laughs> I'm building an ambiance. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, yeah, we can also just so- lie about the gestures that we're doing. <laughs> They'll never know. I am currently building a rocket ship in the background of this Skype call. Towards the end, I will <laughs> enter the outer stratosphere and begin my orbit of the Earth. Anyway, so do you guys have anything else that you were thinking about about Alana as we were going through? Or would you like I to- just, like, so do. But it might be, like, a conversation, but, like, <laughs> it's not really a conversation. I just have, like a lot of feelings about a particular aspect of it. But um, Shelby, do you have anything you want to say first? Because I feel like I'm talking a lot. So I have one other substantial thing, which is a slight pushback on the ways that you guys were talking about colonialism and imperialism and the monarchy. Because listening to them, it really felt like you were equating those three things, and they are not the same. (laughs) They Um, are definitely different things. (laughs) So... Like, I just, and, and you know, this actually came out of a conversation I was having with my brother, who is much more of a poli-sci person than me, and so 
I have to say, like, I don't understand fully the differences between all of those things and the ways those power structures can have different impacts on the people under them. Um, but I do think at the very least, it's very important to distinguish colonialism, which as far as I understand, mostly involves people from outside coming in, ruling a different people and extracting resources from that community and from that area from other situations in which a military power uh, is keeping power in an area. Like, there, there are differences between colonialism, especially as it was practiced in the 19th century and 20th century, from other forms of military oppression. Um, and they had that, that it, those differences are important. But also I want to think about, like, the monarchy and the ways you guys talk about the monarchy, especially in the last book, uh, the last episode that I was listening to this morning. Thank you, Doug. My dog has very large ears and he just flicked them in my face. Um, but in the last episode, it, like, kind of hit, I think, the peak of you guys talking about the monarchy as, like, something that is inherently bad and thus all threats to the monarchy are inherently good and all... At, at, because monarchies are oppressive. Like, I'm not a, disagreeing with you. Like, I'm pro-democracy as a political system. Let's get <laughs> that out there. Uh, but I think it's important to think about the monarchy in these books, both in the context of romantic fantasy, which I think you'll talk about a little bit more. Yeah, no, definitely. It is sort of, I mean, fantasy in general, but especially romantic fantasy, which is, tends to be fairly politics-focused and, like, not horribly cynical. It is pretty much a, a standard of the genre the, to have a, a, a monarchy where you can assume that the monarch is good and just sort of go from there, you know, so have people, have fundamentally good people working in politics at a high level in a fantasy setting. Kind of like fantasy West Wing, I guess. <laughs> like, it's not realistic, but it's just a lot of really good people trying hard to find solutions. Right, and it can still ask and answer interesting questions about right. those structures. It's been a while since I read this, but that valley which they fight over, like, is, like, that valley felt to me very much like Alsace-Lorraine, <laughs> which is the region between France and Germany that has gone back and forth between them for, like, the last, like, 2,000 years. So I guess that's where I was coming from with that valley, is, like, yeah, they're gobbling it up but their neighbors are also gobbling up territory back and forth like that's how those like that those systems often exist and in that case it's not necessarily better for those things to go back because it's just it, they just go I mean back I think that's forth. all reading but I don't know that that's necessarily no I, I supported I, I don't think it necessarily is but that's definitely how I read it when I was younger and I, I think it's a, a reasonable reading yeah. Having and not just read the books. Having not read the books and not knowing what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that's challenging about this podcast format in itself is that we are all processing our thoughts basically as we are having the discussion. For some of us, we read it initially and we were totally on board with everything that Tortle was doing. And and like now we're reading it and we're like, huh, this seems like it is a little bit colonialist or a little bit too much like an empire. Right. I mean, it, it very much is, by definition, an empire. Right. And also, let me be clear, I think I might not have been clear when I was saying this. I, once again, too much blood, too many malaria parasites. Anyway, there was the uh, colonialism part. I'm not saying there is not colonialism in Tortal. Like, I think there is. 
That's but, fine. And all I was <laughs> yeah. saying is that it's hard to have a fully nuanced conversation when it is the first time that we are in a group processing these things together. So I think that these wrap-up discussions are really good for pointing that kind of stuff out and like right. reassessing it. And also for uh, for um, for readers to help, uh, for readers, listeners. <laughs> This is going to get worse as we go on, guys. <laughs> uh, for listeners listening to it, like also your feedback also helps us bring in nuances that we miss, whether because we are a very white group, because we don't have that much poli sci and history background. It's all linguistics, guys. <laughs> all linguistics. It's not all linguistics. <laughs> but yeah, so there are a lot of perspectives we don't have, and a lot of, and, there, and, and also, yeah, we're doing this very rapidly. Yeah, yeah so it, it has been great to um, hear from our listeners, and uh, we should continue that conversation. Keep sending us stuff. We really like to hear it. Yeah, I love our listener mail. So before, we are going to have a portion in the show where we read listener mail, but Kelly, I think that you had something else oh, that you I wanted to talk about before some we... some other thing that I want to talk about. All okay. Right. So I've really been looking forward to this. Um, and <laughs> she has two pages of notes, kids. I don't, I don't ha- okay, yeah, most of my notes are devoted to this. So one thing that I was thinking about, and, okay, one thing that I was thinking about when you guys were sort of discussing the first book, there was a lot of discussion of gender bending and sort of like what that means in these books and in general. And I think that reading these books, the Alana books, would probably, since I read them in like, elementary school they were probably my first introduction to gender bending in media um but my second introduction to gender bending in media was shoujo manga so i want to talk a little (laughs) bit about that um for anybody listening who doesn't read a bunch of manga shoujo manga is like the genre of manga that's aimed at um young girls young women whatever usually features female protagonists so sort of like comic book female ya and I guess there are sort of like two shoujo manga tropes that I saw like pretty big parallels with um, in these books that I thought were really interesting. Um, first off, there's sort of like three types of shoujo gender bender manga. And the first one is I'm in school and I'm gender bending. And a really famous example <laughs> of this is Arn High School Host Club, um, which I had to mention because I knew otherwise Amy would die. Well, now I'm dying because people know that I really love Oran High School Host Club. Well, I admitted that I'd read it too by doing this, so we might as well suffer together. I'll also just uh, throw myself on the fire here. I've also, I've seen Oran High School Host Club with anime. Sometimes I just watch it when I need to cry, and it's on Netflix, and it's there for me when I need it. It's always there for you, Amy. The second genre is... I'm in school and I do sports and I'm gender bending, um, which is it's basically the same thing, but it's like I gender bend to get into the school because I'm really good at sports and I'm going to pretend to be a boy so I can do boy sports. <laughs> that's very Alana. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of like Alana. Oh, the third genre is I'm going on a magical adventure and I'm gender bending, which is really like Alana. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of like one of the parallels I saw between like Alana and like the general shoujo manga gender bending was... Gender bending sort of serves two purposes in shoujo manga. The first is you're in an environment with a lot of guys, usually if you're in a boys' school, so it introduces more love interest for the shoujo manga. But the other one is that it, like, gives the female protagonist, like, a really cool window to do, like, sort of non-gender conforming behaviors. Like, be really good at sports or, like, be in an army and stuff like that. And that's something I really appreciate about the genre, which I really appreciate about Alana as well. Yeah, it's so interesting as a trope because it's, um... 
you know, it allows this sort of, like, exploration of gender norms and, um, you know, allows women to, to do things that would otherwise be off-limits to them. But it, it does all of this sort of with a lot of plausible deniability about queerness. Like, yeah. a lot of us read Alana as queer, but this is still something that you see in Alana where, like, you know, yeah, she gets to be a knight, but there's sort of plausible deniability that all of her gender expression is like, oh, because she, like, has to, to, like, get what she wants, so it's not really queer. <laughs> right. Definitely. And that's definitely something that I think shoujo manga can be both, like, awesome for and, like, also really horrible for. So, like, one thing that I thought was interesting is a huge trope in shoujo manga is that, like, when the girl is disguised as a guy for whatever reason there are a lot of men around her and usually a lot of them are in love with her whatever but one thing that happens sort of in that happens in a lot of these shoujo manga that didn't happen in alana is usually the female disguised as a male makes a lot of the guys around her like question their own sexuality and uh-huh. which of course is like then there's like plausible deniability at the end because they often like question their own sexuality and like come to terms with it and say to themselves i love this person no matter like what their gender expression but then of course at the end like there's this huge reveal that she is a girl and they get to be like heterosexual again and everything's super normal (laughs) (laughs) but i thought it was sort of interesting because that's a trope i've encountered so much in shoujo manga that alana didn't really go there at all like everybody who was interested in alana became interested in her after it was clear that she was female yeah i mean the closest you get is george who i think became interested in her upon being told that she was a girl without ever, like, I guess, seeing her present as a girl. Mm -hmm. But that's still, like, you know, he's attracted to her as a girl. And then it's also really notable because uh, we discussed this before. John wasn't into Alana until Alana, like, he walked in on Alana in, like, full Mm -hmm. feminine dress, you know? Like, like high femme Alana. (laughs) So... That is pretty interesting that um, that didn't end up happening. I think part of it is, has to do with, like, American publishing <laughs> yeah. and our intense fear. Right. I mean, especially these books came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. and I and they were, you know, there's a lot of sex in them, but they were kind of children's books. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think at that point it wasn't really acceptable to, um, you know, in a, a children's, a middle grade, a YA book, have characters like major characters who might be queer Mm -hmm. like that's not a theme that would come up as far as i know having not been alive at that time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean definitely the first ya novels with queer characters were coming around in the in the 80s at least but they were very few and far between like they existed Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, that was around the time when the first ones were being published, but that was what they were and what they were being published as, right? And it wasn't, definitely wasn't something that you got to just do in your fun fantasy novel. Yeah, they were issue books. Right, it would, the genre would be queer, right, instead of the genre being fantasy, and some characters maybe are queer. Yep. Like, even in this, the queer characters that are like extra canonically queer were not able to be so in the narrative which Mm -hmm. makes them really hard Mm -hmm. to analyze you know all that jazz yeah and i guess one other thing that i just got really excited about when i was hearing about alana again this is more like 
just a shout out to a specific manga, so I'm just going to do it. Um, but it's sort of like this trope that happened in Alana that also happens in a bunch of shoujo manga with gender bending, which is like the twins and the twins like switching places. Uh-huh. And Alana made me think of a really specific manga, um, which is kind of older. It's from the early 90s and it's called Basara. And it's like similar. It's about a girl whose like twin brother was like supposed to be the chosen one who was like going to like lead a rebellion against the empire that was like oppressing her people in futuristic feudal Japan <laughs> and feudal fantasy Japan and then he gets killed so she takes his place and sort of like leads this rebellion army and that like really reminded me of Alana and it made me happy so that's all <laughs> nice <laughs> like would you recommend this I think like the Alana books and like a lot of these gender bending manga there's like Really a lot of really problematic stuff, especially in their romantic relationships with a lot of, like, the male characters feeling really entitled to the female characters' bodies and a lot of, like, traumatic stuff, like I think Gus was talking about, about, like, the reveal of their gender and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you want to read it... Right, it is interesting that, you know, you can have these these gender-bending storylines without actually, you know, acknowledging in the text the similarity to, like, trans narratives or, like, non-binary things or anything like that. Um... But you still do tend to get these, you know, the same sort of traumatic entitlement to these characters' bodies that you do get with a lot of trans fiction, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So I would say read with caution if you would like to read. All right. Duly noted. Do we have any more thoughts that we want to share about Alana before we move on to letters? All of you guys' thoughts about Alana's very good dads are much appreciated. (laughs) <laughs> she collects so many dads. It's wonderful. I mean, mostly two, but they're really good. <laughs> yeah, there was a point where I was like, sort of like, maybe Ali Muktab could be a dad, like a quasi dad, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think there's a, a like a, a, not a hierarchy, but like a, like there, a spectrum there are, of yeah, dads. A, yeah, a spectrum of dads. And, and there are the very dad dads, but then there are also the accessory dads who oh. are also. Very, I love the term accessory dads. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Duke Gareth could also be an accessory dad. Yes. Ooh. Oh, I love that. I love that. All, I love this all dads reading of Alana that we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although it does really just highlight how few moms she has, which she makes has me sad. So few moms. Not enough moms. Like, I need a 500% increase in moms. She has one kind of transphobic mom. <laughs> yes. I don't know what happens in Dane. But if there are more moms in there, I am going to be hyped. Yeah. I would argue her two moms are, are really uh, Mrs. Cooper and also the goddess. And yeah. you guys discussed at length the issues with both of those relationships. It's uh, unfortunate. It's just not, not as happy as her dad's. I love the dads. All right. Well, speaking of the dads, would you guys like to talk about some emails? One of them is which yeah, mentions one of Alana's very good dads. <laughs> excellent segue so good so clean yes thank you so much anyway also i want to just really quickly redact the fact that i said emails because i did mean letters these are <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay so our first email is from one of our listeners you said it again our fir- oh you're right gosh first note our first correspondence is from one of our <laughs> listeners uh these are all going to be excerpts we would love to read the f- full emails, but we do not have time for that. They're all really lovely, and thank you all so much for sending them in. Yeah, and some people sent us some, like, really, you know, sweet personal stories about their connections with the books and that kind of thing, and 
we really enjoyed reading those, but we're not going to put them on the air. Yeah, so thank you so much for sending these in. I'm so happy to have them. Um, so the first, our first letter says, like, first of all, love the podcast. Thank you. Love you, too. Um, <laughs> there are, uh, so we recently talked about how they have our months in Torno for some reason, or at least they have October. Um, and yes. there are fantasy month names in Emelon. Are we ever going to do the Emelon books? I really hope so. And then there's some mild spoilers about Emelon, and I don't know them, so I'm not going to read them. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that from? Oh, this is an anonymous. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I think I I totally thought there were fantasy months in um, Tortal, and I think I was thinking of the Emelon ones. So it's really weird that October is in Tortal. <laughs> uh, but I also, uh, to answer the their actual question, we are probably, it seems natural that we would do the Emelon books after the Tortal books. We haven't planned that far ahead because that's like years in the future and this podcast is only a few months old Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't know where we're going to be in a few years. But if we're still doing this podcast, presumably after we get through the main Tortal series, we will go on to Emelon. All right, that's about all we have to say on that. So let's Mm -hmm. segue into, they have a third part of their email, which is, I think Miles' alcoholism is supposed to signify his ethical discomfort with parts of palace life slash patriarchy. I think he is written as a character who lives at the palace because he loves to teach and be spymaster, not because he enjoys it. And I think the drinking is a lazy stand-in for highlighting his moral qualms. (laughs) Of course, he does also express those qualms verbally sometimes, and he does some more productive radical stuff like keeping Alana secret and making her his heir. But often he just quietly drinks instead of fighting injustice. A complex character. So do you guys have any thoughts on that or anything that you'd like to say? I think it's a plausible reading that he, that his drinking is initially part of painting him as sort of an outsider in the court, possibly. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it is kind of, you know, inexplicable to have his drinking coexist with the rest of his character and not really be explored in depth. But, um, you know, I guess it could be related to some of his other qualities in terms of, like, uh, his negative views of court and how the realm functions and everything. Which I do love, by the way. I love that he's the one pointing out, like, our code, like, our code of chivalry is, like, very bad and really hard on everyone. And, uh, I love that he engages with the merchants and everything. Like, he, he doesn't, it's noted that, you know, most nobles sort of keep to the nobles but he engages in trade and with commoners and stuff so uh yeah i don't know could be related to his drinking maybe Mm -hmm. yeah i really love miles as a character for that for like partially that reason i i don't know i as the letter writer said like if his alcoholism is meant to signify those discomforts that is kind of lazy and I don't really love it, especially because it wasn't really portrayed as that much of a problem, except in that it like Alana stopped him from doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've speculated in the past that the drinking might have been sort of early on just like a quirky character trait to sort of set him apart. And then um, Tamara Pierce wrote him quitting with Alana's help as just an easy out once she realized that wasn't what she wanted to do with the character. So, I mean, that's a a lot of speculation about author intention, but um, it seems like it was more of a maybe early installation weirdness kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your letter. Thank you. 
All right, our next letter is from Rebecca K. So we're going to read an excerpt from it. Twice, George actively breaks off in the middle of kissing Alana, each time making it clear that he has a boundary that he's not willing to cross under the given circumstances, and he's breaking off in order to be able to stick to that boundary. So this is a quote from In the Hand of the Goddess. The chapter name is A Cry of War. Alana looked up. George kissed her, pulling her close. <laughs> I don't like to read kissing scenes, my friends. <laughs> I can read it if you don't want to read it. I'm like it. fake matching over here next yeah. to me, too. So we're being really mature about this. <laughs> okay, so this is from In the Hand of the Goddess, A Cry of War. Alana looked up. George kissed her, pulling her close. His mouth was warm and comforting. Alana had not forgotten the last time, and she had discovered that she liked his kisses. Relaxing, she let her friend hold her tightly. George pushed her away. Two spots of color burned in his cheeks. This goes too far, he rasped. Oh my god, you guys are, like, fourth graders. I live in hell. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna read the second one. Thank you. This is from the woman who rides like a man, the king of thieves. Kiss me again, please. Oh no, George said, drawing in a ragged breath. If I kiss you again now, one thing will lead to another, and this isn't the proper place for that sort of carrying on. Then take me to the place that is, she suggested. When he hesitated, she added, I know what I'm doing, George. Um, should I read the rest of the question? Thank to you, you or? so much. <laughs> Thank you so no problem. <laughs> All right. Um, now that I've collected myself, allow me to read the end of this letter. We've already condemned George for his highly problematic behavior at other times, especially uh, in in the hand of the goddess. That done, can we commend him for one having situation dependent boundaries, two sticking to them, and three doing so respectfully and honestly? All right. So, what are we feeling about well, that? I very much dislike George. So. Putting that caveat out there, part of the reason that I dislike him is because he was, like, very extraordinarily pushy, and not to say just pushy, like, he did do things to Alana without her consent, Um, and that is a reason that I don't like him, and to me, this in particular sort of, like, speaks to that, like, to me, it's not just that he has boundaries, it seems like he's saying, like, if we keep doing this, I'm going to end up doing things to you without your consent. Like, I'm not going to be able to control myself after we reach across mm-hmm. this point and, like, sort of makes it seem like that's what's going on, so. I tend, like, I do feel the same way that you do about this reading of it. That said, like, I do think that it's important to have models of male characters who, like, do, like, specifically say, like, I am not going to keep doing this thing right now. But in this case, I do read it as very much a putting the responsibility, like, for his own human decency in the hands of someone else. What do you mean by his human decency? Like, in, like, not crossing boundaries that he doesn't want crossed, you know? Like, you don't have to make that about the other person when you do it, you know? Okay, you're making a big face, Shelby. I'm just, I'm trying to understand what you're saying, and I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm kind of confused about it. Okay, let me scroll back a bunch. Um... So I guess what I'm saying is pretty much the same thing as what Kelly said, except in a worse way. I I guess what I would say about this is um, that I don't think it's commendable for him to have these boundaries largely because they're his boundaries. You know, it's I think it's completely reasonable to sort of set a limit on 
you know, what you want to do in a given situation, whether that's because, you know, he feels like having sex with Alana outside of marriage would not be, like, the honorable thing to do, or whether he feels like, you know, if he went for, you know, it's a little creepy to frame it as if he went further, he wouldn't be able to stop himself, but, um, you know, either way, I don't think it's bad for him to have boundaries, but the problem is that they're his boundaries, and he has no respect for what Alana's boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the way you put that. Well said. So, I don't know, I think I would say that, like, it's, the the first one, it seems to be pretty straightforwardly, like, yeah, just a, a situation in which they went past his boundary, and he said, like, no, and they stuck to that, and that's good. I think it's also rarely a thing that is a problem when it's the guy saying it, so yeah, right. it's, like, not as um, big a deal as, as some of, as it would be if it was uh, gender swapped, but, um... But it is also um, rare that we get models of men who right. have boundaries rather than right. just no. And sex I, all the I time. think that one is is not not it. it that one's a, a good situation. Um, the second one I find interesting because there's like there's two ways to look at it, right? And the one is the way you guys are clearly looking at it, which is he's saying that if they kept going, he wouldn't be able to stop, and that's irresponsible because you stop whenever your partner says stop and it doesn't matter where you are in the in the act and that is true and I can see how how you would be upset with that on the other hand what he's saying is because I know that I am not capable of stopping if we continue I am stopping now um and in that way he is putting it back on himself he's saying hey I know that I need to be able to stop and in the future I would not be able to and so I will do it now and I think like, in that sense, it is good. Like, in that sense, we do need to say, hey, it doesn't matter if you get carried away. If you can't trust yourself... Like, it was... I thought some at some point in the recent Me Too conversation, somebody saying, hey, if you know you're a handsy drunk, don't get drunk. Like, that's, that's right. your choice. The choice is there. If you know that it's a future point, you won't be able to make the reasonable decision. You have to make it at the earlier point. And I think in that sense, like, that is... A good statement. I think that's where the the letter writer is coming at it from. Is saying he's taking that back on himself. He's saying, I I am putting this on myself, even though I know that my inhibitions will be lower later. Um, and in that sense, I think that that is good. And I don't I don't know how you balance those two different readings. Right. Well, I think it's not it's not even just the reading of um, him not being able to stop or you know because I I think you're right. I think that based solely off of these examples that we have he's responsibly enforcing his own boundaries, and that's a reasonable thing to do. I just think in the context where he does not respect Alana's boundaries, it's not commendable, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly. Another thing that I uh, want would think is interesting in the context of this conversation is looking at how far we've come as a culture since the 1980s. And like, this is a really wonderful thing that we've, that we've moved past, uh, which is that I was thinking about this also in terms of the Me Too movement recently, the fact that we have moved the goalposts for consent very firmly, like from after kissing to before kissing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in great part, part of what I was noticing when I was listening to you guys is a lot of the situations that you were talking about as sexual assault or sexual harassment were always people kissing Alana when she did not want to be kissed. Um, and 
Like, that is a thing that people should not do. <laughs> people should not kiss Alana when she does not want to be kissed and when they do not know affirmatively that she wants to be kissed. Um, but that's also something that as a society, we've only recently accepted on a wider scale. And I think it's really interesting to think about that and and to appreciate that. We're moving. We're moving in a good direction, guys. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that also just a good way to sort of interpret this as a situation is to say that George made a responsible and commendable decision, but the what that decision says about his character is not great. I mean, I don't really think it's a reflection like, you know, as, as Shelby said, you know, there are maybe situations where it's difficult to control your, you know, I think it's bad to have the narrative that men can't control themselves around sex. But, you know, if you, if you recognize about yourself that there's a situation where it would be hard for you to make the right decision and you keep yourself out of that situation, that does not reflect negatively on your character. Okay, maybe not character, but like, I don't know. I think there's a difference between making good decisions and being a like innately like commendable person. Disagree. I think your actions are what matter. I don't think it matters that, uh, you know, he has, like, bad, like, thought crime? Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> Not, like, thought crime, but, like, do I want to be alone with this person ever? I mean, I think maybe what you're coming up against is sort of, like, what caused my reading in the first place, which is, like, we know we've seen George act before in ways that, like, don't respect consent. So when this, like, comes, and this sort of, like, touches on a fact that he might be in a situation again where he wouldn't respect, like, Alana's consent later, like, that just bothers me and makes me not even think about thinking about the potentially good thing that he's doing. Yeah. Right. I guess what I would say is that these two examples in isolation are reasonably good mm -hmm. examples of someone enforcing their own boundary, but in the larger context of George not respecting Alana's boundaries, they're problematic. I would agree with that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have a lot more questions. So we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the letter, Rebecca. Um, Okay, so this is a letter from Tumblr, from Tumblr user Hang the, Hang the Stars. It's an excerpt from a much larger series of asks. Thank you so much. Um, so this is, I get slash kind of share TP's affinity for age differences and ships. And on first read, Liam was probably my favorite love interest for Alana, specifically because Alana realizes his behavior makes her unhappy and breaks it off. Now, in hindsight, I'm wondering if my satisfaction with it is nostalgia, or if TP really does manage to send the message that Liam's behavior really is something for girls to avoid, or if it's glossed over or tacitly endorsed or something. So that kind of is a good follow for the last one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what I would say is, like, personally, age difference relationships in fiction are kind of a squick for me. I don't enjoy reading them because of the power differential. Um, but it's not inherently bad for two consenting adults, which Alana is at the point when she gets to, to having a relationship with Liam to, you know, have sex, have a relationship. Age difference between two consenting adults is not necessarily a bad thing. And it's okay for it to be, you know, a, a kink or an interest for people in fiction or in reality, as long as, again, they are consenting adults. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And moreover, it's important, it's it, it, not important, it's totally okay to have not perfectly healthy relationships in fiction. Like, that. that is okay. And like, 
we, like when we point out problems in these relationships, it's not always to say that that is a bad writing choice. Like right. you can write, and I think I think that's where that letter writing writers come from. And remember, haven't read this book recently. <laughs> don't remember how it's handled. But I think it would be like I think that that is a very reasonable thing to write is an age difference relationship, which is both hot and also not perfect, and also you know ends in a way that reflects those things. And like that, that's cool. Yeah, and I think that's something that um, Tamara Pierce in my opinion, does better with Liam than with John and George right. because John and George are, you know, older people with a lot of power over Alana who are taking advantage of her while she's underage and she doesn't seem to be particularly into it. Whereas Liam is just, you know, a guy who's somewhat older than her, but she's attracted to him, he's attracted to her. They end up breaking up when um, he tries to be more controlling than she would like, which I think is a reasonable thing to sort of model but, right, I, I mean, I think overall, like, if you want to talk about did Tamara Pierce do a good job writing that relationship, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think she she didn't do it in a way that promotes, you know, controlling behavior or power differentials as a, a romantic ideal for young girls, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Yeah, I would agree. That's all I mean I didn't like. Like, I didn't love seeing a strong female protagonist be condescended to in a romantic relationship, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that makes it a bad writing choice, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and right, especially because Alana didn't like it either, <laughs> and she broke up with Liam for that reason, yeah. or yeah. among others. Yeah. No one to break up with your condescending boyfriend. Break up! <laughs> <laughs> End that thing. Become friends until he dies. Be a five being shot with six <laughs> arrows. <laughs> That's Anyway, thank you so much for your question. Take these lessons with you into real life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, this is a letter from Phoenix Flight. Uh, Mm -hmm. They asked three questions, so and they're all about the books, so maybe we could try to lightning round them a little bit. Okay, Uh, sure, go for it. Okay, which minor characters do we wish we saw more of in the series? Which minor characters do we wish we saw less of in the series? Abby. Uh, for the first one, definitely a rule, which is good. We're in luck. <laughs> also, I would say Burry, also in luck. Very excited for the future. Um, which, who I think we wish we saw less of. I, I mean, maybe Elaine Cooper, but, like, I don't want there to be fewer women, so, I don't know. I guess that's my answer. Moving on. Shelby. Uh, my answer would also be Raul and Burry. I would also add... Uh, Thayette, because I feel we don't get as much of her in later series as I would like. Um, I almost want to copy you for the other ones, but I have really complicated feelings about Mrs. Cooper, which I maybe should have gone into in the very first section of this podcast. Um, this is a lightning round. It's not the point. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, two sentences. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember any other minor characters because I haven't read this recently. Okay. That's I fair. pass. All right, Kelly. I also haven't read this recently, but I would also say Burry and Thea because when I realized they were only in like the last book of Alana, I was shook because I was sure they came in earlier because they're like super cool and strong women and there are not enough of those in Alana. Um, I would say about people. I also would add Tom or Thom or however you want to pronounce that. (laughs) 
I think his name is just Tom, but... <laughs> I always read it as Tom because I was, like, eight years old. Aurora said Tom yeah. on air. Okay, I feel better. I mean, right, We I, a thing I appreciate about this podcast is our complete lack of interest in standardizing pronunciation, so let's just keep that going. Also, let's be clear, I said Thayette, but I definitely read that as Tyet the entire time, just oh, going okay. backwards on this uh, whole thing. Overcorrection. Yeah. That's a linguistics. Yeah. Um, anyway, I would, I, to end my lightning round, yeah, I also thought, like, he's Alana's brother, and he's, like, a super cool wizard, which is super cool, but you never really get to know anything about him, except his ultimate demise, so that would have been nice. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one. People I didn't like, I don't really remember, so, oops. <laughs> Alright, so I want more of the, uh, the children that Alana adopted in Woman Who Rides Like a Man, um, and mm-hmm. I want, yeah. and I want less of that childhood bully plot I did not mm-hmm. need it at all. <laughs> All right. Fair. Okay, second question. What were you most surprised by when you read the series for the show? Um, let's do... Well, you you didn't read the series for the show, Kelly. <laughs> and neither did you, Shelby. I mean, Shelby and Kelly can say, like, when they listen to the episodes. Yeah, yeah. which, yeah, we, we mentioned but didn't go into. Kelly, because I'm going to do it in backwards order now. Okay, I guess I was sort of surprised by um, the reading of Roger as queer because just I'd never done that because like the last time that I read this was a long time ago so I thought that was cool to hear you guys discuss that mm-hmm. that's it for me uh I would say monkey wielding a sword <laughs> I did not remember that even a little not a monkey an ape <laughs> an ape sorry <laughs> distinct yeah that's in the last book when she gets the dominion jewel <laughs> Amy made a big deal about it. I, like, still can't remember this. It is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. I actually, I don't think I remember this from, like, my first ever reading of this book, but I had read reread this book recently enough that that did not come as a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, like, it's you know, it's from my childhood. It seems normal. I need to read that. Okay, Abby, what was your surprising I mean, it was the relationship with George. I remembered the the Alana-John relationship making me uncomfortable as a kid, but the Alana-George did not. And upon rereading it, I cannot support it any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I never read these books before, but I was kind of shocked by how much the cat kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> like it's a magical talking cat, and I wanted it to be very good, but... He did really support the drugging of his friend, so, like... And just generally, like, the patriarchy, like, her presenting as a woman and marrying a husband, it's... Don't love the cat. Don't love Uh, the cat. The animal companions really do just go up from here. Yes. A a plus. Oh. So far up. Okay, and then the third one. What was your favorite bit of world building, Shelby? Oh. World building. World building. My favorite bits of world building are in different series. I'm trying to remember what's actually established in Alana. <laughs> uh, go to somebody who's read these I can books go. recently. Abby. <laughs> the old ones. It's definitely the old ones. I want to know everything about them. What is their history? Are they humans? We are don't they know. Are they <laughs> they're probably humans but we just don't know they're, but they could like, be ancient. i mean this is totally you know this is my jam in like a song of ice and fire also and various fantasy series you know the like more mm-hmm. advanced very magical old civilization that's gone now it's so cool i wish she had gone back to that well ever again after the first <laughs> book in this series okay i've got something now it took me a while but I actually love the Chamber of the Ordeal as like a mm. very archa like it's it's a very like 
distilled version of like a quest narrative or like a it, it's a distilled part of a hero's journey that is just a world plot device but it's just like so central to the idea of how these hero journeys work and so i love that kelly i don't have an answer that's okay. i can't remember anything okay that's okay <laughs> that's okay don't be afraid i'm gonna give my answer and if you think of something just jump in after okay. uh okay so i also just remembered that the chamber of the ordeal existed and yeah i love that um, so I also really liked all the backstories about the Dominion Jewel because I really couldn't tell whether they were fable or real, which I love. That's super cool too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think of the Chamber of the Ordeal because it's so, like, just standard in this world for oh. me, but it's great. Oh, other one. I got the other one. And that's the fact that there were female knights earlier. Mm. Like, oh, that yeah. part is really interesting, and it's one of the fewer nuanced parts of her feminism in this series the idea that you can make progress and then lose it um and i liked that detail yeah yeah i am really excited to read more about that um as it happens like that was a really neat concept to bring up kelly you good yeah i'm good all right the shelby was just kelly there yes that Um, was me (laughs) all right Thank you so much for your thank you so much for your letter. Um, so there are two letters that I'm going to kind of just read in reference to each other because they're both about books that we haven't read yet. One's from Weird Kid Twenty, thank you Weird Kid Twenty, and one's from DJ Sunspear, thank you DJ Sunspear. So the first one from Weird Kid Twenty. So I don't know if you peeps already knew about the book Tortle, A Spy's Guide, but I certainly did it until I saw it at the library the other day. I finished it all in one sitting, and it may help out people trying to line up timeline stuff. Also, there's a few just absolutely lovely little side stories that go on. And then DJ Sunspear said, Hi, everyone. I wanted to let you know that I love your podcast. Love you, too. It's so great to hear people that are fans of Tamora Pierce, but also that are willing to share their thoughts and feelings on the books I grew up with. Have y'all read the new New Mayor book yet? I just finished it, and I'm really interested to hear what y'all think about it, too. Keep being awesome. We will. We cannot physically stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the answer to that second question is, as far as I know, none of us have read the New Mayor book yet. Or Tortal Spice Guy. And I'm dying because I did not realize it existed. Oh, my God. (laughs) Get in the group Wait, chat. until right now? <laughs> well, until earlier, to, like, whenever, when you guys oh, put this it. out. But also, yeah, Wild Magic is my favorite series. I have to read it. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I mean, I think we will be reading it in the future. I mean, we'll probably read it on the podcast, is my guess, but not until we do most of the other series. So that'll be a while. I don't know if we'll discuss it before then at all. We'll see. Um <laughs> I mean, we could do it for, like, a bonus episode or something, but as of now, none of us have read it, so please don't send us spoilers. Yes, and never send me spoilers about anything, please, specifically. Yeah, just don't <laughs> tell Amy anything about any of these books. Yes, like, please, keep me safe. All right, um, I think that's the end of the questions. Oh, that... I guess just to address Tortola Spies Guide, um, I, I also don't think any of us have read that one, as far as I know, mm-hmm. but we probably will try to read that sometime in the near future and talk about it on the podcast. That's exciting. Yeah. Yay. Okay, and thank you both so much for your letter. I think we've reached the end of the questions that I had prepared. So thank you so much for joining me today in our respective (laughs) homes with our respective roommates. Really looking forward to seeing you guys more in Dane, Kelly, and Shelby. And like getting to know some of your bio knowledge for what I have been told are the Animorphs of Tortle. So (laughs) (laughs) I would argue even better than that. Nothing is better than Animorphs, Kelly. We all know this. Should we maybe do like tease 
the other stuff that we're going to do before um, we start Dane? That is an excellent idea. Yes, thank you. Um, So Abby and Kelly are each going to be on a different bonus episodes. Would you both like to talk about what those bonus episodes might be? Uh, I don't know which order we're going to go in. You go first. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if this will be the order that they're released in. But um, by popular demand, partially our own demand, also (laughs) maybe other people's demand, uh, we are going to be talking about Mercedes Lackey and sort of the genre of... um, romantic fantasy and i think probably going to just be specifically talking about the first mercedes lackey book arrows of the queen if, if you guys want to be like prepared in advance by reading a book but uh yeah we're going to talk about mercedes lackey it's going to be really exciting they're going to be magic horses and who is we grace and i will be discussing that Okay. And Kelly, do you want to talk a little about your bonus episode? Sure. Yeah. Completely by nobody's demand. (laughs) (laughs) You demanded it of yourselves. Um, Aurora and I will be discussing one of our favorite topics, which is opera. um, And we're going to be talking about gender bending in opera, sort of like as it relates to the gender bending that happened in Alana. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully, um, Hopefully other people will be too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to hear about it because I don't know anything about it. Me too. Yeah, so I hope that you guys are just as excited to hear these episodes as I am because I'm not going to be on either of them so I can listen to them with joy in my heart. Okay, so we've had some people tweeting at us and tumblring at towards us. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so the people who have interacted with us on Twitter since we recorded our last episode are Alexandra Cook, Ziggy T Schutz, uh, Non Binosaur, Hi Gus, uh, Catherine <laughs> NZR, Killjoy Jackson, KK Bracken, Lavender Rage, Indigo Han, Royal Sloss 2, Legend of Divya, Queen Blurblab, <laughs> Moss Lamb, Meaties in space, 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 space. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Zutter, Mercuric, Rebecca underscore SW, Dorian Eyes, Marissa on her own, Finnegan, Writer ST McGee, Amy M. Jack, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who have interacted with us on oh, Tumblr. I didn't make the Twitter list. I really got to tweet at the account. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and the people who have interacted with us on Tumblr have been The Sober Folly, Hulklinging, Smelly with a three. Our dreams will die with us. Zombie. Hang the stars. So very media addicted. Phoenix Flight. Weird Kid 20. Princess Court 223. DJ Sunspear. And Writing Rissa. Thank you all so much for uh, going on our social media. Casper wants to thank you too. Uh, yeah, so you should also get in touch with us at our social media accounts, which are Tortal Recall everywhere. So TortalRecall.com, TortalRecall.tumblr.com, at TortalRecall on Twitter. Tortal Recall on iTunes, where you should rate and review us. And thanks to everyone who already has. Um, yeah. Thanks to Bim Bam for the inspiration <laughs> for today's opener. <laughs> Thank you for Justin to Justin McElroy, who came into my home and spoke into my microphone at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> We're big fans. Really appreciate it. Eh, they're fine. No, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> anyway, I'm cutting that out. I'm cutting it out. Um, so I think that's all. Kelly, Shelby, would either of you like to do the honors as the new the new kids in town? Um, the transfer students? I don't know what the honors are. Amy, you're, you're the pun master. This is your responsibility. You can't escape it. All right, whatever. Fine. I just thought that we could get more interaction, but see ya, Tortellini. Mm-hmm.
I'm just thinking very slowly tonight. And I know, because of all the blood. All the blood. <laughs> so much blood, guys. It was all purple. <laughs> Ooh, delightful. Yeah. It was, it was stained blood. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, just regular <laughs> blood. I don't know why purple blood would be more gross than red blood, so sorry for that reaction. Well, <laughs> purple ketchup is more gross than red ketchup. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's the transitive property. Yeah.